This is a reading of the Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led into the desert by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. The tempter approached and said, If you are the only begotten, command these stones to turn into bread. And Jesus replied, Scripture has it. We live not on bread alone, but on every utterance that comes from the mouth of God. Next, the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the parapet of the temple and said, If you are the only begotten, throw yourself down. Scripture has it that God will tell the angels to take care of you. With their hands they will support you, that you may never stumble on a stone. And Jesus answered, The scripture also says, Do not put God to the test. The devil then took Jesus up a very high mountain and displayed all the dominions of the world in their magnificence, promising, All of these I will give to you if you but fall down and worship me. At this, Jesus said to the devil, Away with you, Satan. Scripture says, You will worship the Most High God, and God alone will you adore. At that the devil left, and the angels came and attended to Jesus. Lovely readings. Today's readings are all about temptation. And who in our world has not been tempted by something or someone? One person might be tempted by something and have a real struggle. But that might not be a temptation at all to someone else. We might find ourselves being prideful and saying, I would never do that. And yet there's always something else, another temptation trap that we would fall into. I'll share this story. There was once a poor country preacher who was livid when he confronted his wife with a receipt for a dress that cost $350 that she had bought. How could you do this? He exclaimed. I don't know. I, I was just standing in the store looking at the dress and I find myself trying it on. It was like the devil was tempting me saying, gee, that dress was made for you. You should buy it. <laughs> the pastor said, well, you know what to do with that. Tell him, get behind me, Satan. Well, I did. And he said, gee, it looks pretty good from behind, too. <laughs> it's a good story. That's why I bought the dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, the struggle that we find ourselves in, doing things that we should not do, Eve, in that first reading was tempted by a snake who was described as the most cunning 
of all the wild animals. They discuss concerns over the fruit of the tree, which would give her the knowledge of good and evil. To me, it is as if eating of that fruit and the knowledge that is gained is what separates people from the animals. It's almost a story of evolution, if you will. The snake never lies to her about the fruit. He tells her that she and her husband eat of the fruit and their eyes will be opened and they will know the difference between good and evil. Something we all struggle with. And that's what happened. However, whatever happened was not quite what they expected. It was only after they had eaten the fruit that they knew that they had made the wrong choice. Making the wrong choice seems also to be a human experience. It may have happened in your life. I know it's happened in mine. The decision that I made to smoke was one that I enjoyed so much. Yeah, I heard the preachers warning me of the dire consequences. And it's only now that I use oxygen at night that I realize just how harmful that habit was. I, like the story of Adam and Eve, will live with the consequences of my choice. While Adam and Eve in the story ate the fruit as an act of disobedience against God, I think it's really a story of how all people know the difference between what is right and what is not. And that's so that we can learn from our decisions about everything that we do in our life. God had them leave that garden, not so much as a punishment, but I think it was really kind of showing love and mercy. When they left the garden, they wouldn't live forever because they wouldn't eat from the tree of life. What a continual punishment it would be once you knew the difference between right and wrong to live forever and have that constantly replay in your mind of all the evil things that you had done in your life. Jesus' temptation is direct, not subtle like Eve's. He has offered food for his tired and hungry body. He's offered the opportunity to throw himself down and tempt God to save him. And he's also offered the gift of all the riches in the world. Jesus made all the correct decisions. It's as if he knew the path that he must follow and how to get there. Jesus did not give in to the temptation to inappropriately use the power that was his. Just as in the story of Adam and Eve, they weighed their choices, Jesus also weighed his choices before making his decision. It's up to each and every one of us to decide if our choices will be wise or foolish. Our entire lives seemed governed by the choices we have made at different times in our lives. And each of us seems to be the very sternest judge of our behavior and our personal decisions which is why I chose the second reading. 
Richard Rohr reminds us that Jesus did not come to change the mind of God about humanity, but to change the mind of humanity about God. We have gotten stuck on the idea of an ever-judging, rule-keeping, always-ready-to-punish God. We tend to forget that in the beginning, God loved what God created from the very first minute of the Big Bang. There was an inherent love relationship between God and all of creation. God wanted to show God's very self in a material creation and declared people good, very good. Jesus is our image of the invisible God from all eternity. We can name the union of Jesus, God, and us not as atonement, but at one The Christ we follow existed from all eternity. Jesus was the first idea in the mind of God, and knowing Jesus reveals to us something about who God is. Always kind, always merciful, always forgiving. Jesus is the revelation of God's first plan for the world, the one and only plan for the world. Jesus was not a mop-up exercise after Adam and Eve ate that darn apple. The traditional atonement theory doesn't say very much good about God. It would suggest to me that God doesn't have an inherent love for what God created and is sort of pissed off, so to speak. When atonement theology says that there needs to be a transaction for God to love what God created, those who created and follow that theology have created the barrier to the understanding of the unconditional love of God. No transaction was necessary. No blood sacrifice was necessary. No atonement was necessary. There is no bill to be paid. God did not send the only son to earth to die on a cross for our sins. Our invitation this Lent is to reflect with an acknowledgement of our tendency to yield to temptation, to do something wrong, something harmful to ourselves or to others in the world. Every one of us has our weakness. This is why, this Lent, we are invited to recognize God's gracious, steadfast love and mercy, always present, if we would just recognize and accept it. <laughs>